one thing that we want to do with the Cow Pie Classic is to make it something that somebody that like myself that's never really raced much and just rode their bike and had fun with it feels comfortable like I should go do this. And so having the county out there on a ton of different intersections, stopping traffic and making sure that people are safe uh, was very, very important to us. From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I'm your host, Trevor, and unfortunately, Sheldon is out this week, but joining me are two familiar voices to the podcast Mitch DeYoung. Hi, Mitch. Hey, Trevor. And Brett Miller. Hello, Brett. Hello. Mitch and Brett are still thawing out from their Polaroid experiences, which we will certainly get to. But also later in the episode, I chat with race director and now full-on gravel racer Joe Cantwell, organizer of the Cow Pie Classic, now in its second year and part of the Michigan Gravel Race Series for 2020. Mitch, you you know Joe, correct? Yeah, Joe and I went to high school together. Okay, fantastic. Yep. Yeah, he talked a little bit about um, having questions about nutrition and how he contacted you. But yeah, Joe and I met up a couple weeks ago just to talk about kind of how to plan for a summer of 200-plus mile races, how to fuel some nutrition plans, some training strategies, and how to use some of your early season shorter races to get ready for some of those longer, more intense all day rides yep and joe joe does mention that in the interview and uh we talk about what he's looking toward for the 2020 season not only about the cow pie classic but some of the ultra races that he is planning on so gentlemen it's february it's the end of february how's your february going a lot better now that it's sunny and almost above freezing now, I try not to be a negative person, but I have to say, I hate February. <laughs> it's got to be like one of the worst months. I mean, especially for a cyclist, but uh, just in general, it seems like it never ends, even though it's the shortest month of the year. Yeah, and this February has been exceptionally cold and snowy, other than the very first weekend when we got out for a ride, and then it just, winter's been here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we... It's definitely been a topsy-turvy February. You mentioned that. Mitch was riding with his shirt sleeves. Uh, we rode 60 miles out to to his in-laws place and it was so nice and sunny that he took off everything but his short sleeve jersey so and he was I did totally keep my pants on <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for that <laughs> it's always it's always good to do but uh so yeah and, and you know then, then we went into some real cold areas and then today it's sunny and like 32 or 3 degrees out again yeah Brett, you rode here i rode i rode here so i'd say I, th- I think you're you might be the first at least the first guest to ride to <laughs> the podcast i know sheldon has I was gonna say yeah, yeah that's what i was ridden. thinking i was pulling to sheldon to ride yeah right right here so yeah i was thinking this morning last weekend at this time it was five degrees out horribly blowing wind and today it's into the 40s and sunny and beautiful Yep. Welcome to February. Yeah. So I'm probably the, the first fully kitted guest. Yeah, yeah. You're looking good. Looking good. <laughs> yeah, uh, the three of us uh, got in a, a fat bike ride not too long ago. That was in the middle of one of the heavier winter spells 
for uh, for February. That was a lot of fun. That was that was definitely awesome. I almost forgot about that. Uh, speaking of the topsy turviness of February, but uh, that was like some of the most perfect conditions for fat biking, and especially that we've had around this area for a long time. So that was we it was good that we got to experience that because that was yeah grade A fat biking. Yeah, and thank you, Brett. Um, if it wasn't for uh, your fat bikes that we borrowed, both Mitch and I borrowed your fat bikes. Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to to ride. No, it was fantastic. It was. I've I've gone fat biking once, so one other time with you, Brett, last year, and this was like completely different. I mean, the conditions were perfect, and mm-hmm. and it definitely. Uh, uh, I mean, I talk about buying a fat bike a lot, but if if conditions were like that all the time, I would yeah, I would get one in definitely. a heartbeat. Yep. So speaking of fat bikes uh last weekend february 14th you two raced the polar roll um polar roll is of course one of the many fat bike races that uh go on in northern michigan and it's part of the 906 adventure team trio of of races right polar roll crusher and margie gesick so i think we need to just talk a little bit about how that went well, let's start off by saying I am not a fat bike racer. I am not a fat bike rider, and this was my third time on a fat bike. No, this is so. This is fantastic. I wanted to bring this up. Um, if you haven't listened to episode two of the podcast, Mitch goes through his preparations and his race experience of the Crusher, and uh, I think if if you take anything from that conversation we had, uh, you will realize that Mitch is a prepared maybe overly prepared person. Slight understatement, yeah, yeah, definitely. And when I heard that you were riding the polar roll and have only ridden a fat bike three times, four <laughs> times. Uh, polar roll was my third fat bike third ride. Third fat bike time, third fat bike ride. And uh, you were borrowing one of <laughs> Brett's bikes. Uh, this is, I mean, it had all the elements to just be a colossal failure. So <laughs> I, I was pretty excited about it. Yeah, it was... Well, going back to what you said about being um, the 906, it's the Triple Crown. They have their three races. And really the only reason I wanted to do this was to finish off the Triple Crown. I have my Margie in. I have Mm -hmm. a buckle hanging on the wall. I have Crusher in. So I had to get this one out of the way. So, again, with that blame Todd (laughs) for just doing some great marketing to get people up there doing things they wouldn't otherwise do. Is is the Triple Crown just bragging rights, or do you get, like, a, a, a something? You get invited to a special event in October, and uh, with any luck, a couple other people from around here will be able to make it up by then if if someone can get themselves into Crusher. Yeah, it's just a, supposed to be a fun weekend riding bikes up in the UP. Uh, so is it a fun event, or is it, like, in Todd fashion, he's going to make you ride 250 miles in pure sand or something it's it's a mystery right now it's but it, it does say it's not margie levels of suffering okay has this ever been done before it has not this is gonna be the first year of it do you need to uh race <clears throat> the three all in one calendar year or is it just any time if you it's just have, any time if you if you've completed those three races yep, then, yep. then you qualify yeah i have and, to do the long version of each one of them but at any point in time in any point in time of the history of the race, as long as you've done them. And Mitch, you brought it up. Um, you're, you're hoping that Brett can also be part of the Triple Crown because you did Margie, now you did Polar Roll, mm-hmm. and uh, Crusher is up next, which I'll it be is there. Up I, next, and I'm 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 
thinking pretty hard about doing it just to to get that whole thing and i'll be actually doing it um in just the calendar year if if i if yeah. all goes well and i'm able to finish that and then finish margie again but i mean we all know how that goes that's that's uh definitely not something that you want to count your chickens before they hatch so we'll um, see what happens uh I'd, I'd like to get up and do the crusher it's definitely something that is interesting to me um we'll see yeah well I, i'm interested yeah i'll be there so we should i'm sure you guys will probably at some point shame me into it so <laughs> that's with any luck yes. yeah that's what i mean barry 100 you're, you're shamed into that <laughs> friends like you guys who needs enemies that's right <laughs> although i can't shame you too much this year because i'm not going to be able to make it back for crusher this year but planning to go back again next year so brett you weren't as i uh as i recall you went up to marquette thinking you would just witness the or or spectate the race you weren't necessarily uh planning on racing is that correct yeah uh we we went up and uh we were just having planning kind of a family vacation type thing and uh every year we like to go up and kind of experience what i call real winter uh since down here is just kind of well lame i call it lame sing <laughs> for a reason but uh lansing lame sing but uh so we just wanted to get some some winter adventure and kind of show the kids what it was all about. So we had planned to be up there and yeah. just do some things, have some fun, look at some you know water um, waterfalls or frozen ice caves and things like that. You just wanted to actually watch over your bike that Mitch was riding to make sure he didn't <laughs> yeah, destroy I was up it. There to, to, yeah, to make sure that uh, he didn't put new, too many watts on it and uh, <laughs> break it in half or anything like that. But no, uh, so to make a long story short, I had the entry. I wasn't planning on using it, so we just were going to have family time. And But I uh, uh, made a last-minute last decision to do the race, kind of with my sights set on that Triple Crown. It'd be some, that would be something that definitely I would like to have on my a notch on the wall that i that i accomplished that in my cycling career so to speak so at any rate i ended up uh, last second deciding to to go through with it and pull the trigger and uh, uh i'd not like mitch where i necessarily have all this uh, preparation and different things like sometimes i kind of fly by the seat of my pants and uh yeah definitely that showed with this race so this I, I would not recommend anyone else go into that without uh, a little more thought and preparation because i did I did appreciate how you gave Mitch the heavier fat bike that was <laughs> I feel like that was prepared I'm correctly. not sure I, I, they're both they're both tanks so <laughs> I wish that I had a nice light race bike but uh, instead of those thirty five thirty six pound so how were the um well let's talk about just a fat bike race in general, how that works. I'm a little, um, it, it's, it's a mass start. And is it kind of like a mountain bike race where you're jockeying for position and trying to get into like the single track or, or whatever? Or how does, how did, yeah, the, how did the polar roll start for you? It definitely was that way. And, and Mitch can attest to that, that it was actually even kind of maybe sketchy, but at the start line, they warned people that you were going to go straight and then down a big hill. And then at the bottom of the hill was a 90 what they didn't tell you was that it like bottlenecked onto the bike path uh, from the wide open boulevard of the main one of the main streets of Marquette. So we all got fired up, and I, I took it pretty easy. But a lot of guys were just right out of the hole. In fact, I think one guy, maybe maybe Cole House, was in front of the of the the pace vehicle or whatever. He just was it wasn't like, Cole. He ended up behind me. Oh, okay. Maybe it was Mark Krantz. I don't know who it was, but yeah. somebody was up there. Was that picture real? I think it was Mark Krantz. No, that picture of Mark was fake. <laughs> was there fake. Was, I there was, was somebody. somebody yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, somebody 
opened it right up. But uh, so yeah, then once we got down the hill, it, it was just. I don't know if there was any crashes, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't because everybody was in the in the brakes and and sliding around and then trying to navigate onto that bike path, which was you know what eight feet wide from the probably thirty foot wide road. And, and when uh, I got there, there was, was a snowmobile snow coming through. Oh, nice! Yeah, so we were stuck behind a snowmobile Perfect. on the path with you know three hundred and fifty bikers so, trying to get. So through. the path was eight feet wide, mostly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it was eight feet wide-ish, but it was all snow covered. It was hard pack and stuff, so it was all, you know, pretty sketchy. Was with snowmobile uh, ski tracks and and you know rubber tracks. How do you go it, it about? Was, um, is it safe to pass people? How how does that work? I mean, I know that if if it's groomed, uh, you can't really get off of that because you'll just get sucked into the snow and well, crash. This, yeah, this was this was wider and had been. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was definitely like you know two three bikes could ride abreast on it so it was yeah so the first first bit you go down the hill turn on to it's it's a bike path turned snowmobile trail in the winter and that was probably two miles and we got onto a little bit of a dirt road and then onto the actual trail the trail itself is maybe a little more than shoulder width and it's they call it groomed but it's basically someone's gone through with a snowmobile or another type of vehicle with a um a little sled basically that packs yeah, yeah. down the trail like a rake or something yeah or, yeah and when you're in that single track that's packed down there there really isn't any passing so the first two miles really was a lot of people just hammering i know we came down the hill i turned right onto the path and everyone just took off i think i took three pedal strokes and just no you guys are you go for it you guys go <laughs> have fun i'm just gonna go hey look lake superior uh, <laughs> um, but yeah once you get into the actual single track you you can't really pass because if you go off you could go into three feet of snow and yeah. you learn real quick when you're regular mountain biking, if you take a turn a little too fast, you need a toe dab to to fix your balance. You can. Here, you get a little off course. You go to put your toe down, you sink into your knee, and you're still not on solid ground, oh, which goodness. which you learn real quick not to do anymore because it doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no catching yourself. No. So I feel like the story from this year's polar roll was uh, not only how cold it was, but how that influenced people's nutrition and water. So how did that go for you? I heard there's a lot of frozen water bottles. Almost people finish the race with taking in almost zero calories or water. So how did that go for each of you guys? Well, let me start by saying my big toes are still numb. Really? No joke, still wow. numb. Yeah, uh, you might want to go to the doctor. <laughs> I, I read up on it. They'll be soon. They'll be fine soon. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're black. They're, <laughs> they're they smell kind of like gangrene. No, they're they're a lot better than they were, but they're still wow, still a bit numb. But so yeah, definitely cold. Then. Yeah, uh, nutrition was an interesting challenge. I know uh, about maybe an hour into it, um, both my bottles on my frame had frozen and i couldn't get anything out of them did you so, use uh thermal bottles i, used, or, I had two thermal bottles okay and they both froze what did you have with, in it like uh, one was perpetuum hammer perpetuum uh-huh. the other one was fizz okay which is an electrolyte drink yeah um <clears throat> but nothing like uh some people put like vodka or something in it just uh, nothing no, like that yeah no. um so they both i could well, if i picked them up off the bike i could shake them and hear stuff but the nozzle had frozen yeah, shut yeah um so when I met met up with Lori at the first aid station, I had her bring hot water out, and I took the tops off, poured some in, and got them to freeze out. And then I put, I had, I think four layers on. I had a thermal underlayer, 
a thermal jersey, a wind jacket, and then a thermal vest. So I put one bottle in the pocket of my thermal of my wind jacket, so it was inside the vest. Sure. And that kept the top just from freezing over, but I couldn't get to it when I was riding. So I would stop, take a drink of that one, put it back in my oh, pocket, what a pain. take the other bottle out of the cage, take the top off it, drink out of the bottle without the actual top on it, because it would stay. It was like a slush. Yeah. So it was drinkable, but it was cold, and you couldn't get it out of the out of the top. Put the top back on, put it back in my cage, and go along. And then at each aid station, or three of them, I would switch which bottle was in which pocket, uh, just to try to keep from having everything freeze completely up. Sure, yeah. And and when we're talking a four plus, I mean, thirty. Or, it was close to forty miles, right? So that doesn't sound yeah, crazy, but when it's when it's a fat bike race, and, and we're talking over four hours, over five hours, you're gonna need. You definitely need to be drinking something. Brett, how did your um, water situation go? Uh, not good. <laughs> not good at all. Uh, I had. Uh, Does that apply for basically the whole race? Um, yeah, if you ask me pretty much any question about it, it's not good, yeah. It, it did not go well for me. So, I, I, I mean, I finished and uh, eventually. But uh, so I, I, I'm happy with that I was able to. Hang in there and get it done, but it wasn't pretty. So, so you were you were using a Camelback. I had a, a hydration pack that I had used before. It's an Osprey pack, and I uh, really very much liked the bite valve on that more than the Camelback hydration pack. So, um, I had used this on a about a hundred and five mile ride in the snow and ice with uh, uh, Roy Crans. We we were doing some uh, some course recon for the the Kranzer race that he does up in uh central lower peninsula michigan um so i had no problems i would just blow the the drink back into the bag and the tube would stay clear and no problems at all but as a different <laughs> yeah we were out was... this we were out for 11 hours i think when we did that and it was like you know hovering around freezing maybe a you know four degrees under freezing that type of thing so at the start of the polar roll i believe it was around 10 degrees and with the wind chill oh it was pretty well below freezing oh so. my god <laughs> yeah i think my garmin had it recorded about five after maybe 10 minutes into it oh i it, believe it it slowly it got it topped out around 15 at most that's yeah. insane and without the wind windy. but yeah the wind was brutal so yeah so i was frozen up before at the start line like before before we're even lining up, I realized that my my uh, bite valve had frozen up, and so I took it inside and and got it thawed out with some hot water. It was working fine, but then I blew the stuff back into the the bag again, and I don't know something happened. It just that bite valve froze up again. So um, that was the first time I tried to get a drink was probably you know two miles in or three miles in and nothing so i'm like oh no so i stuck the bite valve under my arm inside of my jersey and i'm riding 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 go you know go up some big climbs and um suddenly all of a sudden like my side just feels really cold and wet oh, and i'm no. like what in the world did i like splash something on me or what's going on oh no that thing the the bite valve unfroze so it just sprayed water all over the inside of my jersey oh, my. that's not what you want my when... whole side oh, right my. so when in those cold temperatures that was not good but so so I took one quick drink and then again blew the blew the stuff back into the, the the bag and I don't know if it 
was because of the temperature or what but then it squeezed right back out of the bag and i didn't notice and the whole line froze up at that point so that was the only drink i had until the first aid station so i was not a happy camper 18 miles in. 18 miles in and and then it was after that i think there was literally an eight mile or so maybe a little more than eight mile climb it wasn't like super steep but it was just gross so yeah, it was all snowmobile trail straight into the wind i think it was a three degree or three percent climb for five just miles and then it nasty. tapered off a little bit it was it was yeah. just yeah, nasty I mean, we don't have to get into like <clears throat> huge details about the course but how was it in general i mean it, you said it was snowmobile but i thought they used some of the ramba trails yeah that was just yeah. the first spot to get from marquette over to ishpeming and then once we got to ishpeming we rode a lot of the loops of the, the ramba trails i'm not okay. sure exactly which ones but um it, the trail conditions were i mean amazing honestly like the whole time even though i was not in a very good spot i was just saying to myself like oh this could be worse this could be worse this could be worse because i remember the polar stroll last year and people just trudging through feet of oh, yeah. snow and just not able to ride and so from that standpoint point it was it was amazing it was awesome so i had that uh, counted my lucky stars and yeah just took it for what it was for and looked at the trees and enjoyed the ride and tried not to freeze to death cool the snowmobile trail that connected uh, marquette to ishpeming was not a fun time it was probably half hour 45 minutes of just miserable because the, st- the wind's blowing right in your face Ugh. and there were snowmobiles actively using the trail so they'd bl- blow by at 40 miles an hour and i know i, I started on it and it's like okay this is a good place to just kind of put in a little bit of an effort because i, I really haven't been so far so i kind of tucked down in and i'm just working away just pedaling and pedaling and i look down and i'm going nine and a half miles an hour <laughs> i am working way too hard from nine and a half miles an hour so i slowed down to like eight and a half I'm like oh this isn't near as hard this is how fast i'm going to go but it's just wind and, oh yeah and snowmobiles blowing by but the rest of the course was absolutely beautiful uh, i have to say I'm, I'm guilty of not really seeing anything when, I'm, when i do most of my races i see you know the trail in front of me because i'm, I'm just focused on that and this was a, a great chance to look at some of the stuff that's around some of the beauty that marquette county has to to offer yeah. which i know at one point i'm riding up this hill and it comes up to this open crest it's just flat or come up to the top of it and there are no trees and all you can see in the distance are these huge rock formations and i just stare off at it and maybe i forgot to pedal for a little bit and all of a sudden i about come came to a stop as i hit the edge of the trail <laughs> but yeah just beautiful trails uh, beautiful woods great scenery the whole time so, Mitch, are you going to run out, get a fat bike, do a little more uh, fat bike racing? No, I have officially retired from fat bike <laughs> racing. Uh, I, I may go out for a fat bike ride here or there, but I I don't really need to, to race fat bikes anymore. It was fun, but it was perfect conditions. And yeah. the other times I've been, we went a couple weeks ago and the conditions were great and it was fun. The, the time I went before that, the conditions were awful. Like yeah. someone had been out walking on the trail and there were boot holes and it just... It was nice to be out, but it wasn't a lot of fun. And around here, that's what you're going to get a lot. Yeah. So I'll I'll get out on the roads when I can, and I'll use my trainer, but it'll get me in shape. Sure. And Brett, do you see yourself racing much more fat bike in the future? Another polar roll, maybe? Uh, yeah, I'll always do that type of stuff as it comes, and, and you know, if the conditions are right and everything kind of works out. It, it's always a good time. I always enjoy the, the whole scene and and just like mitch said sometimes it's not even so much of a race as an event and you can just kind of enjoy it for what it is and uh things like that but uh especially on the uh nine million pound bikes that i have i feel a little bit disadvantaged but um (laughs) it uh 
it was it was a good time. I'll be back at some point, I'm sure, to do a polar roll, but I will uh, 1,000% be doing the 15 mile. So <laughs> I'll, it'll be more of a fun race for me. So, um, And before we move on from the polar roll, Brett, I, I do want to hear a little bit about your uh, your thawing out in the middle of the, the race. Uh, can you tell us about... What yeah, I just there? I kind of uh, I told this the, the bit about uh, to the first checkpoint there, and uh, once I got there, I, I was actually really, honestly, starting to get a little bit worried about being overly sweaty because I just I just I overdressed a little bit. I probably had one layer too much, but it just really turned bad because I just worked so hard getting up that hill, and then I wasn't able to have any sips or getting any calories in me or anything like that so and i was i felt like i was working pretty hard and just not feeling the greatest so when the time came to stop i uh uh got off the bike and tried to get kind of some things around to get my my water line thawed out and get some other fluids in me and then i was only there for about maybe two minutes and i just got so cold so i was just like shivering uncontrollably and just at that point i was worried that I wasn't going to be able to get warmed back up. So then luckily somebody let me sit in their car and then I was able to kind of, uh, actually I, I was, to be honest, I was going to quit. I was going to be done. And, uh, yeah, and I, I remembered I had to text quitter. <laughs> I, just, I couldn't bring it's myself a painful to do that. Experience. So, <laughs> I just, I, I sat there with my phone in my hand and, uh, was just like, man, I can't do that. I, I don't want to do that. So I got some, some dry clothes. I had some some stuff. Um, my my family met up with me, and uh, some some of the clothes I was supposed to put on after the race were there. So I just changed in some warm clothes, uh, warmed up, and decided, you know what, I'm gonna give it a shot. I, I'm not even in cycling clothes at this point, but I'm gonna see what happens. So at least I knew I could make it to Ishpeming, and at that point, if I wanted to dive off the course, I could be right in town. Um, so, but I really felt like I was out in the middle of absolute no nowhere, like yeah. no man's land. I thought I was in Antarctica, like <laughs> freezing cold. So while I'm waiting to, to warm up after I change my clothes, I'm looking at my map, and we're like a half a mile from Lowe's in Marquette. I'm like, geez, what a wimp. But, uh, <laughs> I don't. So, I don't I, remember if I saw any good pictures of your beard sickles did you get any good beard sickles uh, maybe i don't know probably not I, you know what actually i did stop I, uh since it was you know i was just i think i was I, I think i was waiting maybe like almost two hours or maybe even a little more before i set sail again and so by that time i was all by myself and just i just if i wanted to stop and mitch talked about some overlooked places if i wanted to stop and take some pictures i did and I stopped and cracked open my bottle that was frozen and tried to drink some of the slush out of it because I just had straight water in my backpack, so I didn't have really any nutrition. I had some snacks and it just I just lollygagged and looked at the trees and finally made it back, and uh, that was that. So yeah, well, cool. I did see this. That's great. Yep. I, I like, didn't you? Didn't you? Uh, oh, that was sweet. Grow the beard just, just for polar roll. Yeah. Because <laughs> only I. I it was maybe a little over a week and a half old, so it wasn't a... Yeah. But, I mean, it was enough to do that. It wasn't a Brett beard, but you no. got some beard sickles, for yep. sure. Yeah, I had three goals I wanted to finish. I wanted to not buy <laughs> bike parts for somebody beard. else, and I wanted beard sickles. <laughs> Those were my three goals. I accomplished them all. That's fantastic. 
Well, thank you both for uh, enduring the polar rolls so the rest of us didn't have to. <laughs> uh, real quick, I just wanted to uh, – there's some familiar names at the top of the race. Uh, Cole House won the thing this year, won, won the, um, Correct. the men's race this year. Jordan Wakeley, who we see his name doing all these uh, fat bike races, he came in third. Um, Matt Acker, of course, he came in fourth. And then Mark Krantz. Um, he was on the podcast earlier, came in ninth place. And I believe another name that I see in a lot of these races, Leah Schneeberger, um, she, she won the, the, the female race this year, I believe last year too. So yeah, she's a three Pete. Yeah. Three Pete. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Fellow, and, and fellow hammer athlete. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Little spin team shout out to, uh, Earl Burns and, uh, Ned Neme. They got, uh, I think 14th and 15th in the, uh, the 15 mile race right so. yeah i saw that that's pretty cool that's fantastic well thank you gentlemen i appreciate uh, you taking the time and uh, coming back on the podcast and talking about polar roll so from the cold conditions of february now we can turn our minds to the warm sunny days of june because we are going to talk about the cow pie classic um honestly like this podcast has been great to be able to highlight the different races and courses, and this is just another one of our local races that I wanted to um, make sure that we talked about on the podcast. But the thing I'm finding most interesting is being able to talk with the organizers and the directors and get their story and figure out, you know, what what um, motivated them to start a race. Um, it was great to talk to Joe and hear about the Cowpie Classic, about his passion for health and wellness, and his emphasis on rider safety, and just to get to know a little bit more about his life and bikes. So without further ado, Joe Cantwell. Yeah, thanks for doing the interview, just in general, I think for a new bike race um getting yeah. information out to like that exact population i mean both shell and i are like super gravel nerds so we we just like that we like that vibe and we like the that community in michigan so yeah i mean happy to do it i mean this is like the whole point of it so right. it's very cool yeah before we get started i uh there's a, a few of these things i don't know if you want or need any like this is the KOM cycling stuff, but um, some mounts, some different mounts if if you want or, but uh, tubeless thing, do you use tubeless? Um, I just switched to tubeless. Do you have one of these guys? I do not. Puncture repair, like a... Like a smaller version of like the ones yeah. that people used to use on their cars or whatnot. Exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you want it. No, I would use this and that. Um, oh, and then one other thing though, since you're, since you just went tubeless. I did learn already that if you're going to put more air in it, don't leave the valve all the way at the bottom. I ejected a bunch of, like, I did oh, it inside yeah, the gym yeah, yeah. and a bunch of the fluid came out. Like, Just oh. a sealant injector. Oh, awesome. Do you have one of those? I do not. Okay, yeah, so that's, those are pretty important too, and I think they will come in handy, so. I ordered a sealant, um... And that's why, like, the whole black hole thing with bicycling. <laughs> but now I really want new rims. Um, so what, what kind of bike is it? I have a Checkpoint ALR4. Uh, Trek, is that? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so I just got that last year. I had a Trek Cobia mountain bike for seven or eight years. Um, and I love that bike for what I did. Um, but my brother lives in Marquette, and I went to school at Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. And so he kind of got me into biking. Um, I was a runner since, like, middle school. Um, and did the Army out of high school. And then after high school, or after the Army, I went back to college um, and ran there, too. Okay. Like, and, well, like, long-distance running, or what yeah. was... And so I always cross country thought, or what? What I did cross country track and then indoor track as well in in college, just because then you can do like the three different seasons yeah. of it or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so mountain biking was always just kind of like this fun thing that I did on the side, and I, so I didn't actually do like hardly any races at mm-hmm. all. Um, I did Order Shore a couple times when I was in the UP, just because it's a right. super cool race, and my brother lived in Marquette, and yeah, so it just made sense to go over there and do it. And I always kind of wondered like. Maybe I should actually train for this <laughs> um, with the running background and everything like that and just love and beat on the bicycle. I mean, it was my everyday driver for five years in college, too. Cool. Yeah. How do you, how did you feel like the uh, how the fitness translated from from one to the next um, on a bike? I mean, I'm sure you you were plenty fit, but were you, did you feel like you needed more handling skills did you feel like you needed um i felt pretty good with my handling skills um the biggest thing that i noticed was going i went from mountain bike to gravel uh-huh and then when i got back and i just loved my i, I just loved it like getting out there and riding like 30 to 50 miles at a time yeah. on gravel roads like just fell in love with it last summer yeah um and so it wasn't until like halfway through the summer that I got back on my mountain bike and got on a trail. And so then I noticed like the extra like leg power that I had, like I could make mistakes and, and that used to bite me and I could power, kind of power through it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was definitely nice. And then um, I was able to break a couple bad habits that I had on the mountain bike because I had been off of it for so long mm-hmm. um, and even just like two finger breaking. Yeah. I don't know why I've always tried to not. <laughs> um, but I wasn't able to until like I got away from it and did the gravel bike for um, a long time and then went back to it and just because it was a different hand position and yeah. so I was able to break that bad habit and what uh um how long were you in the army just four, four years four, yeah right um, out of high school you yeah said? 2002 until 2006 okay no we're the same age oh nice yeah yeah, it I graduated in, I'm 36 so. yep yep yeah 36 is a little different it it felt like uh <laughs> You know, 35, you're like mid-30s. 36, you're like late 30s. Yeah, and and people are even starting to say to me like out loud, like, yeah, you're pushing closer to 40. I'm like, what? shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's one of the things with biking that I really, because I organized 5Ks. I've ran in 5Ks um, with all of my history with it. Like, I can go do that and do well with it. Um, but you talk to people that have been running 5Ks in their like mid 40s, like, and they're miserable. They got beat up knees, beat up hips, and they still love it, and so they still do it. Um. But with biking, like you're racing against guys that are in their mid fifties, sixties that are just as fast. They're killing it, and I, so that's appealing to me that it's something that I can do for like that long of a time. Did you have any injury issues with running? Um, yeah, I've had some. I actually, I've had two knee surgeries. Oh wow! Um, from just overuse, I had Osgood slaughters when I was a kid, and some of those those bones actually like broke up into chunks. I think it was five in my right knee and seven in my left knee. Oh my goodness! Um, 
but then after surgery it was super quick um and i was back to doing whatever i wanted to and i haven't had any any problems since my right knee and my hamstring was a little beat up at the end of the season for gravel last year um but I had kind of expected something along those lines because I went from Dirty 30 last year was my first race to racing pretty much everyone that I could after that. So, what, yeah, what did you do last year? So you started with Dirty 30. Um, and then I got into Barry Roubaix okay. through, like, a transfer spot. Um, oh, because it was already all sold out. Right. Did you do the 62? No, I did the uh, the 36, and I don't think that I would have been ready for the 62, okay. um, even though, like, some of the other ones that I've listened to with Sheldon make me laugh about bad decisions because I definitely do that sometimes of like just make a decision and get it over my head and and deal with however it turns out. Um, I'm gonna come back to that. Don't don't let me forget. But I have a question for you about bad decisions. But we'll just like I, and then we'll just keep going here. But uh, but yeah, I mean Barry, what a fun atmosphere, right? I mean, especially and, like just getting into the gravel right. thing and then going to. Ba- I mean, it'll hook you for sure. Yeah, it really really sold me on it. Like yeah. I was like, this is definitely something that and uh, that I can do. And I'm a personal trainer and own a personal training studio, and so I I love the idea of people being able to find something that they can do for a long period of time just to stay in shape. Yeah. Like sustainable, um, right? Yeah, and so just seeing the camaraderie that um, people have that meet at that race every single year, mm-hmm. um, and they just have fun with it and they stay in shape together. It reminded me a little bit um, in Sault Ste. Marie. You see that happen with hockey. Oh, sure. I saw that same kind of thing at Barry Roubaix, and just seeing that, um, it's what I try to get clients to find. Like, yeah. you know, what is going to be your thing besides just coming into the gym and working out? I've, I like it, but it's not going to be the end means to staying in shape for a lifetime kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Barry, what else? So this was, was this 2019 that you did yeah. all these? or Okay. Um, and so it was already in the works, and I think probably one of the reasons that I did Dirty 30 um, John Loman from Community West Credit Union. Um, you probably got a T-shirt with Community West Credit Union mm-hmm. on the back of it because he sponsored a lot of gravel stuff okay. over the years. And so him and his wife were coming in as clients, and they had done one of my 5Ks that I organized, and they were like, you know, you should look at trying to put together a bike race for this area. Okay. Um, and Raymond is the guy that organizes the Dirty 30, and he's the starter for the Jingle Bell Run that I organized. Okay. And so talked with him a little bit. I knew that I had backing from John to kind of get things started for it. Um, and I've always thought that Ionia was the right place to do like a 500 plus person event because it's a very centralized location. You're right, um, right. It were these conversations happening before you had even done any gravel right. racing? Yeah. Okay. You were just kind of like the right person to help organize it. Yeah, it was kind of like just one of those things that like the dominoes fell in place at the right time. Yeah. Um, and then I went out to a couple races because if you're going to organize a race, then you, you better know what you're <laughs> doing. You probably should. <laughs> should experience one um, yourself. And I had my mountain bike that I had already been on for like nearly a decade. Um, 26 inch wheels. And uh, it was it's a 29er, okay. but it was right when 29ers were first like kind of becoming cool. All right. Um, when I got that. And before that bike, I had an old school Gary Fisher um, that was more of like an XC bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and I rode that up north and I rode it for like six months down here. Um, and then I got the Cobia from Dan's Bike Shop. And then I got the Checkpoint from Dan's Bike Shop gotcha. too. But um, 
so yeah, I knew that I could jump into a race and and have fun with it and be in good enough shape to have fun with it. And so I went right. to Dirty Thirty, had fun. Um, was like, okay, I got to do some more of these, and got on the Barry Roubaix transfer page, and like super lucky that I got a transfer spot at that time for sure, yeah. Um, and so then I went there and hung out with that same you know group of guys from John from Community West, and then um, Mark from Becker Furniture. Um, they all have a group that just that's what they do. Cool. Um, and then I got my new bike after Barry because I realized like okay I'm on my mountain bike yeah and I did okay like I think I averaged like 17.3 miles an hour for Barry Roubaix on my mountain yeah, bike. that's decent um you probably like handled Sager Road just fine too yeah Sager was I passed a lot a lot of people yeah, I'm sure you did <laughs> um and so we'll see I'm interested to see how that goes this year with um the gravel bike because yeah. you know 29er mountain bike going through that was is going to be a different experience for sure so what did you sign up for this year did you sign up for the the um which this distance? is one of those bad decision things um <laughs> because sign up for the 100 i did yes um, <laughs> because i'm doing the short series for the michigan gravel race series mm-hmm. and the ultra series okay um and so well, yeah they just jump in and get over your head and and figure it out yeah anyway so very cool the 100 i love it it's a great i think that's a great decision <laughs> Yeah, well, and then I'm, I also signed up for the Crusher this year. Okay, um, okay, so- this is uh, this is this is what I wanted to bring up. I was I was looking through the the athlete list one day because I signed up for Crusher and just to see who else was dumb enough to sign right. up for the two hundred whatever. And I saw your name and I'm like, I think I wonder if that's the same guy. Yeah, that that is- <laughs> and so um, and. Once again, just kind of a spontaneous decision. My brother lives in Marquette, mm-hmm. and he loves going fast, dodging trees. Um, and, yeah. And I enjoy that, but it's um, I enjoy gravel roads and, and pushing myself and, and doing that stuff a little bit more. Um, but he sent me a message with a link to it and just said, hey, I think this might be up your alley. I don't know if he was thinking, like, the 200 or not. And so yeah. I looked up into it, and by the end of the day i'm like I, i'm gonna do this and i sent him a message and made sure that he could do like my support vehicle uh-huh. for me um and so he can do that and so i'm like all right let's <laughs> so you just dove into so, have you ever done anything like in that stretch of amount of time no yeah um you know the, all the way back into you know when i was in my early 20s in the army i mean we did some like pretty intense training stuff where sure. you're out for days at a time or yeah. whatnot um and but trying to think back of like specifics of it like we were talking i mean 36 isn't old by any means but it's not 20 anymore uh-huh um and so i was a little concerned about it and there still i'm a little concerned <laughs> i think you should it. be i'm i'm concerned <laughs> um but physically i feel that like i'm getting my training in for it like and so like physically i should be as prepared as mm-hmm. you can be um but nutrition is a huge question mark oh yeah um and so i listened to your podcast that you did with mitch mm-hmm. um and that was super helpful and mitch and i actually went to the same high school oh okay um and so i just sent mitch a message not it was a while ago mm-hmm. now um and he took the time to go meet with me and go over like setting up a nutrition plan and oh everything very like cool that. and so um I'm trying to be like as prepared as possible for that one, but I think that's all you can do is just. I'm fully uh, expecting to have some sort of plan that I, you know, I'm gonna 
have this many calories in my bottles and I'm going right. to take this and take this. And then it's going to get to a point where either uh, I don't want to eat anything because I'll be so, my stomach will be so upset or something, mm-hmm. or I'm just like, give me everything, I'll eat everything. So right. I don't know. I mean, I've never done anything over a, I don't, I don't think I've ever done a, like a 10 hour ride. Maybe I've done eight. I've, I think I've done eight. So yeah, I, I need to get out for like 10 hours before the crusher for sure. Right, and I have, for that part of it, um, well, doing the 100 for Barry is definitely mm-hmm. going to be pushing some of that upper range a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I also signed up for Coast to Coast. Okay, I plan on doing Coast to Coast, too. And so I feel that with those two distances, I think the Crusher is going to be more demanding as far as the course goes. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to write off Coast to Coast for the course either because I know that there's going to be a lot of sand on like the, the second half. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it'll be easier to overall an easier course as far as what the terrain and everything's going to be um and so i'll get slapped in the face a little bit with coast to coast and then hopefully that helps me prepare a little bit more for the crusher that's exactly what i was thinking but coast to coast is the week after your race isn't it yeah (laughs) so you'll be pretty (laughs) it's Um, not like you won't be busy the week before (laughs) and I'll be busy. So the challenge is going to be to still be on my bike as much as I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I found last year in June. I just didn't get nearly the miles just that I getting, wanted to just get Just preparing in. For, the, right. for the race. But, yeah, okay, so let's go back to your race. What did you do about the course? Like who designed the course for last year? So last year you only had two distances? Right, we did an 18 and a uh, 38-mile course last year. Okay. Um, and so who, who designed the course then? And for the most part, John did. Um, and so he went out and drove a lot of different things. And then actually we go through a cow pasture. Um, That's right. And out in the woods and all of that stuff. And that part, that piece is super, super cool. And that um, is hunting land that he leases from Amanda Powell. Um, and so he checked with her to see how that was going to work out mm-hmm. and got that all set up and amanda was just a freaking warrior for it like because we had all that ice and snow and wind and everything last year and so there was oh, trees yeah. down everywhere and so we went out and looked at it once there's just trees like all over the course and john and i are like i don't know if this is going to work oh, man. <laughs> like, um but amanda was able to get all that stuff cleared off for us oh, very and cool. so she put so much work into being able to make that happen um and so being able to go out there in my immediate field was you know this is like single track like up north just up, the, up so, and down hills right by woods and right. everything like that but you're able to ride it on a gravel bike without a problem and Very so you cool. get that experience of being out in the middle of the woods and and all of that like on a gravel bike going fast um to where usually it's a way more technical ride to kind of get that experience sure yeah and then when you're in the uh, the pasture area, is there is there a path, or you're just straight on like grass going through that? Or there's part of it, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, first, coming into the farm is maybe 200, 300 meters of grass, and then it gets into like a two track that tractors use. Okay. And so there's gravel. Um, and then coming out, the last three quarters of a mile is like she's got like crushed asphalt okay. down on that part. And that that's fast. Yeah. Um, I've rode that 
and on, and I think I was still on my mountain bike at that time. I so I rode that and it was like nineteen twenty miles an mm-hmm. hour on my mountain bike. I was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so last year first first um, edition of the of the race, um, and it must have. I mean, it must have went fairly successful. I mean, you're part of the gravel race series now, right. which is a super cool thing. But, uh, but like, how? So, what kind of turnout did you have last year? We had 137 people signed up, and I think 132 of those were actually on the road that oh, day. That's uh, a great, and so that's I, a great percentage. I was super excited with the number that we had, and then with the experience of doing 5Ks in the area, uh, the city was super easy to work with for me because I had a lot of those contacts and so the city police came out and stopped traffic and started off the race and all of that without charging anything for it uh downtown uh director is linda curtis um and she was super awesome to work with as far as getting permits pushed through and everything like that new experience was working with the county um because one thing that we want to do with the cowpie classic is to make it something that somebody that like myself that's never really raced much and just rode their bike and had fun with it feels comfortable like i should go do this mm-hmm. and so having the county out there on a ton of different intersections stopping traffic and making sure that people are safe uh was yeah. very very important to us and so um and that's i mean it, that's one of the things that you it seems like is stressed on your website with the different routes i was noticing it's like uh that safety was a priority. That um, that people feel safe as they're doing these the different distances, whatever they choose. Right, and especially on that 17 mile distance, the 62 go gets out there a little bit, and uh, and we'll put all that out as far as like when we send start sending out emails to people that are registered for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're expecting kind of a more experienced class of rider in in the 62 mile, sure. and so we don't stress or we're not going to have like as many cops at intersections and things like that for there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for that 17 and 33 or 30, yeah, 33 mile distance, yeah. um, it's super important to us that families feel comfortable. Um, and we actually still have nine free spots for teenagers to sign up. Um, and so we just want people to feel comfortable that, you know, if I'm having my 15, 16 year old kid to go out there and do this, that, you know, their emotions aren't going to get in front of them and then they're going to get put in a bad spot that they're going to be safe the whole time that they're on the course yeah that's fantastic um so the 33 this year was that is that the same course as last year's a lot of it's the same course um if anybody that's listening knows like the route or the area uh we used to cross vickeryville and go up into montcalm county Mm-hmm. And there's one really cool farm that I'm a little bummed out that we don't go by. And so if we get to add that on again at some point in time. Um, but other than that, it was just a few extra miles that was on the course. And so we cut out that section uh, to bring it down into like that low to mid 30s. And just trying to be comparable with some of the other short course races that are out there. Because yeah. uh, we already have the cow pasture and the woods Mm -hmm. and so that's a little bit tougher than just going out and riding on gravel right and so we've got that mix added in there and so i think that that low 30s number is a spot that we're comfortable with yeah um and then the 62 uses a lot of the same course as the 33 Mm -hmm. um and that one goes out to spots where i was riding bikes at when i was a kid um which 
super fun, like riding around and figuring out courses and stuff like that. But if you look at Strava, it says that it's only like 1500 feet elevation or something. It's lying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's almost 3000. Um, and so if you actually go ride it, the feedback that you'll get will be closer to that 3000 number. Okay. Um, and so (laughs) if you, and I don't know why, but when it changes over, uh, to the course, and you know Strava is super easy to use as far and yeah. is um, just getting course maps out to people and right. uh, getting a, even files that they can download for their garments or whatnot. Um, but that course is challenging. It took me. So did you design that course then? Yeah, that was my that was my add on. Um, okay. And so through like a lot of different riding last year, and with the idea of rider safety like in the back of my mind, knowing that we're not going to have as many officers out on that course. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of right-hand turns if there's a stop sign. And so volunteers can be there yeah. uh, to help people through. Um, we never have people cross a road with that's a stop sign without having a cop there. That's yeah. And so just with safety in mind and being able to get people out, um, there's a road called Jessup. And it was funny that John sent me a message after like i'd already really been working hard on the course mm-hmm. i was like hey i just rode my or drove my car on this road jessup like we gotta have it in the race <laughs> like yeah we for sure have to have it in the race and my response back to him was i love hate jessup because i ride that area on my bike for my own rides all the time yeah um what's what's the what can be expected on jessup it's about a mile and a half of it's a dirt road, um, but it could almost be a two-track if it wanted to be a two-track. Uh, nice. But there's such a steep hill coming out of it, um, and I don't can't remember what the percentage is um, because the uh, Strava segment won't go short enough to see like what the absolute oh, sure. steepest is. But with my Garmin now, that I'd, I'll go ride it and see what that is this year. Um, and then after that is all rollers. And if you go just if you go and do the rollers all by themselves, then it's not horrible. But mm-hmm. I, I haven't been able to ride that route without my legs already being hit from Jessa. Then you get to the rollers and it's pretty tough. But you still have probably twenty five miles after you get out of that part. And so I'm interested to see kind of like how as the race for it shapes up because I think that there will be some separations that are made. Um but if there's not groups that are coming out of that that are still working together, then I think that they'll still get caught at some point in time. It, the uh, so that's like right like forty mile forty ish or something. Right. Or, okay. Yeah, that'd be an, that's an interesting uh, place in the race. So it'll be yeah it'll be neat and the um, the cow pasture part that all three race distances have that so it's a little bit earlier on, and so I don't see that that makes like a big separation for the longer race Mm -hmm. because i think that the people that are there that are that are up front um it's a little disappointing not to be able to go race it too honestly um yeah i think that's (laughs) and so one of these years uh after the first you know after we get going and grow it a little bit and make sure that everything's running smoothly then i definitely want to be able to get on my bike and and go out there and race with a group of guys that are doing it i tried to organize a few rides for people that are registered um, just to get out on the course and, and ride it. And that's another thing with Ionia, you know, that's where my business is at. Mm -hmm. And Ionia is not the most fitness oriented community and it's improving. Um, and I've been there as a personal trainer, making a living for, um, almost eight years now. Okay. And so the number of people that 
are looking for things to do and looking for reasons to go work out and stuff like that's increasing. Uh, but the overall goal with me of bringing this many people into a community and having them, you know, ride their bikes for fun is just to show people this is an option mm-hmm. of something that you can do and go out there and, and do and have fun. And so setting up pre-rides and having people come in and ride their bike and whether they go out to, there's a brewery in town um, and called Steel Street Brewery and then Lamplight Grill right on Main Street that was voted like the number one burger place in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, sells like a burger and a soda for six bucks. I don't I think their beers are two bucks. Oh, wow. Um, and so there's a lot of cool things in Ionia. Sure. Uh, we have a historic uh, red brick road and a bunch of um, really cool old buildings. And so everybody that's came has always had a lot of good things to say. And then the rail trail goes, goes right through it. And so just getting people to Ionia and riding in the area is kind of a goal of why I want to have such a large race come to the Ionia area. So what's your um, goal or what, what kind of numbers do you want this year? If you had like 130-ish last year show up and race, where are you hoping to get this next year? I'd like to see 300 this year. Yeah. 400 would be super cool. Yeah. Um, 500 would just blow my mind. But I really think <laughs> – I think I don't think that 300 is too aggressive of a goal. And looking at some of the other races that are in the area, uh, like the Dirty 30 and the Low Classic, mm-hmm. and kind of seeing where their numbers are, um, and just, you know, the fact that Matt Acker was nice enough to even just initially sit down with me and talk about uh, the race being part of the gravel right. series and then to get accepted was such a such a cool thing. Yeah, like, no, yeah, definitely, especially just uh, being so new to it, too. Um, that was a very, very exciting thing. And I think that we filled a, a kind of a gap of races that were there mm-hmm. um, and the fact that rider safety was so important to us and then we had the fun thing with going out on uh, in the cow pasture right. and through the woods and, yep. and stuff so you know it's a little bit different and it's a little bit fun and I think that's the community that gravel biking kind of supports mm-hmm. but you see like the Dirty 30 um, went from 100 and some to 300 people and I'm not really sure what Raymond has for numbers this year I told him that I bet he has 500 or so, um, and he was like, "I don't know if I can do 500, but he, <laughs> he can." Raymond knows what he's doing. What is what is Lowell usually like numbers wise? What is I've never added up like what their totals are because they offer a lot for everybody that yeah. comes out, and they do a lot of different categories. Um, I know that the Lowell 50 that I did last year had like 150 to 180 or something like that in just that category i think that sounds right i mean that's and then and so i bet that they push between four and five hundred people and they do two of them yeah and um last year pretty sure it was the weekend right before barry did you do the spring one yeah no No, i didn't do the spring one i did the fall one okay i'm pretty sure it was just the the weekend right before barry and I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this, but I sure hope I don't crash and right. break my collarbone or something. Because <laughs> that would just really be a bummer about Yeah, then it's a lot of getting things fixed around for the bike. Yeah. Um, I only crashed once last year, and so and it was okay. You want to you tell the story? Or? Um, <laughs> well, that was my first ride with my uh, Trek checkpoint was the Divide. 
and that was one of my favorite races last year. Um, I haven't done it. I've heard, I've heard good things. It, it's really cool. They keep registration prices down and by doing a couple different things up there. I, I don't think that they have as many like intersections where they need cops and things mm-hmm. like that. So I think that they're able to naturally keep costs a little bit lower too. Um, but the it it's just fun and the scenery out there. There's a little bit of sand. There's some good hard packed gravel. Um, and even I don't mind just a little bit of pavement in a gravel race mm-hmm. either, just to kind of get that lactic acid out of your legs a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so it had a little bit of everything. Uh, the hills that were there, I mean, they were challenging for sure. And there was one that I think it's just over a mile of just hill. Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of like, okay, when is this going to be over? When is this <laughs> going to be over? But they also got some super, super short punchy ones. Uh, so it was, it was really, it was just a fun race. And it was my first race that I ever did with the, with my gravel bike. Okay. And so I went from mountain bike to gravel bike there and was able to land myself on uh, age category podium. Oh, and nice. So I was like, all right. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and so I was pretty excited with the gravel bike. And then um, Uncle John's was... The next one that I did with my gravel bike. Hold on. Did you crash at Uncle John's? I did. (laughs) Everyone crashes at Uncle John's. (laughs) And that race was such an eye-opening experience and for a lot of different reasons. Speed? Well, it's so fast. Like, I was thinking, like, because before 20, 21 miles an hour was, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and we were going, every time I looked down at my speedometer, it was like, like 23, 24, sometimes yep. 26 yep. on flat and into the wind. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was a good 40 to 50 people that were all riding together. And so with my running background, that's just different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the group never split. It just never split. And so coming into the apple orchard and I actually hear, heard that they're going to change this just a little bit. And I don't know if it was because of my crash or if it was <laughs> <laughs> because of somebody else's, um, that when you first turn off the, or, or, yeah, when you first turn off the road to go back into the orchard, right. like 800 meters away from the finish, yeah. it just bottlenecked. And I got in the middle of that bottleneck, and me and about five other guys went down. Uh, and I just remember like curling up in the fetal position, as and hoping people hoping don't. Hoping nobody's yeah. gonna run over me. Nobody ran over me. Everybody was really communicative about uh-huh. you know ride or down. Everybody got out of the way. Um, and I got back up, and the chain had wrapped around itself, hmm. and so I was gonna have to take off my back tire and fix the chain and all of that. Uh. And then I'm like, I'm only 800 meters away, so I ran. <laughs> Wait, I've, I've heard a similar story. <laughs> Sheldon's not here, but this sounds like a Sheldon story. And so I just held my bike and I ran to the finish. Yeah. And I still finished, I think it was like 55th or 56th yeah. or something like that. Um, and I was disappointed because that would have been the first time that I got to kind of check out my sprinter legs after sure. being with the group. And then this year... I'm not. I, I still don't know if I'm going to do Uncle John's or not this year, uh-huh. um, just because Lord of the Springs and Uncle John's are on the same day. And Lord of the Springs is a lot of fun. They are, They're or not the, the same day. The sorry. same weekend. The same weekend. The same weekend. Yeah. Um, well, that very cool. Uh, let's see. Anything else about your race about cow pie that um, we didn't cover? We're working on a couple different things that I'm not 100 percent sure about right now. The JCs are contemplating. Um, 
doing a beer tent for us okay cool which so that would be super cool so we're looking for like something after the fact um we are going to have some catered food there this year great um and so that's a registration question when people are signing up if they want to sign up for it okay and then working on some pretty sweet jerseys um oh yeah you mentioned I, well this. i was hoping that they would be done when they're not we have this kind of cartoon graphic snk printing in ionia does awesome for me and they have this guy that is a heck of an artist and so he's been coming up with stuff. And so I told him that I wanted a tractor pulling a manure spreader with people on their bikes flying out of the back of it. <laughs> That's what we got out of that. And so we're going to do that That's on the back of the fantastic. jerseys. Um, and I love how the cow even looks like he might be a little mad. Yeah, no, he looks pissed <laughs> off for sure. And so we're just trying to do some fun stuff with it and yeah. give people some things. Because there are a lot of gravel options out there. And I do think that the Cowpie Classic is going to be something that people remember and have a good time with, no matter where their skill set's at. And then trying to do some after-party stuff and making sure that you know people are having a good time. We have an awesome brewery in town. yeah. Um, and so there's definitely a lot of good options for people to kind of hang out for a few hours and, and have some fun with it. We're probably only a week away from having like the final jersey done. Okay. Um, the last one that I looked at, it had because we're going to do a cow on the front of it, but the cow that the graphic designer people did was like the super cute cow with a flower in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be wearing this jersey at most of the races that I do this year, and I was just yeah. like, man, I don't know <laughs> if I can strap that one on or not. That's that's kind of fun. How do you feel about um, being able to promote? your race at different races i mean does that excite you a little bit it's super exciting and if it i think it's making me a more competitive cyclist at the same time and so a lot of the times i've been putting in 200 miles a week on my trainer for ever (laughs) it seems like it hasn't been forever but since like the beginning of december oh wow and i've been doing intervals and three hour rides on wednesdays and you know three hour trainer rides yeah i've I've done a couple of those so far and and so i'm training super hard but that motivation that i'm getting from organizing a race like i is definitely adding into like the athletic kind of competitive side that that i already have Mm -hmm. um and so it's all about how do you win those arguments that you have in your head and you know how are you gonna take the time to get on your bike and sit on a trainer for a couple hours today yeah and so you use whatever you can to win those arguments and so it's definitely given me like a little bit more of an arsenal of like you know, or so like yesterday morning, for example, I went and watched my niece's powerlifting tournament and I had a two hour interval workout. And so to go to her tournament, I had to get up at like four in the morning and yeah. do my ride and then go to the tournament. Or I could have waited until I got back, but then I would have been thinking about it, worrying about it all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being able to make that decision of like, okay, set your alarm clock, get up, like, don't be a tool, just do it yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and so that piece um, is exciting. And then just getting to know the people, that's the biggest thing that I noticed was signing up for the Gravel Series last year. And I signed up for it late because, you know, I was just kind of getting into it sure. last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I only had four scored races, even though I did more than that like part for part of the series. Did you do the short course yeah. last year? Yeah. Um, 
but you see the same people and they see your name on the spreadsheet when they're checking points and you know making a couple of friends and now we follow each other on strava and mm-hmm. and so it's just this separate kind of community that i have um and if there's anybody listening and all that's thinking about whether or not they should sign up for the gravel series i don't see any reason not to it's 12 bucks right the registration fee is ridiculously low Mm -hmm. um i think that he could probably charge more than that if he wanted to but he's not trying to that's not what his goal with it is either um and so for the 12 dollar registration um with all the cool swag things that he has and just to get in contact with other like-minded people you know people work so hard to find like-minded people that they can share things with right and for a 12 dollars registration fee yeah for 12 bucks you can get connected with a bunch of other people and for 12 bucks you're given like the motivation to right um, maybe you might skip a race maybe you'll be like "Eh, i'm not going to do that race i don't there's no need to but maybe that 12 dollars is giving you a motivation to say I'm going to go race this weekend. Right. And just adding into that arsenal of like, you know, what do you do to convince yourself that, you know, today I should go out and ride. Yeah. And when you get done riding, then you feel better. Like when I got done with my workout early in the morning yesterday, I was so happy. Like I I got it done. It's, it's completed. I mean, 4am sucks no (laughs) matter what, but like on the other side of it, you're like so happy that you, it's just such a good feeling. And and if I wouldn't have done it, then I wouldn't would have felt bad about it. I would, you know, it's not like you broke your arm kind of feeling yeah, bad, yeah. but um, you know, it's definitely better to feel good. And so, something small that you can do, to just one more thing in your arsenal to to get yourself to go ride today. Right. Um, my big motivation is just purely crusher. The fact that I signed up for that stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's gonna be. <laughs> It's going to be something special. Um, I did want to mention the I put out a 15% coupon code oh. um, for anybody that listens to the podcast. And the code's just Dirty Chain. Okay. Um, I love your guys' name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's that Sheldon's brilliance there. <laughs> and so, yeah, if uh, when you get through and register and all that good stuff, you just type in Dirty Chain. And it'll just give all, you a, all one word or two words? Two words. Okay. Dirty um, Chain. Get you 15% off yep. the registration. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for uh coming into lansing and and talking to us about cow pie and hope it's a success this year and um yeah and i'll, I'll be seeing you uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll be at a couple we'll of be them. <laughs> we'll be racing together <laughs> against each other working together hopefully my sprint is ready <laughs> right yeah, that crusher is going to be an experience but it's um i'm super looking forward to gravel season coming up super cool thanks joe thank you The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, call our hotline 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, Please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by myself, Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design, and of course, bad decisions. Thank you to Brett Miller and Mitch DeYoung for coming on the podcast to talk with us about Polaroid. Thank you to Mitch for bringing some delicious boiling root beer. 
we couldn't drink real beer. I had to get to work. And of course, thank you to Joe for getting us excited about this summer's upcoming Cow Pie Classic. Thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We'll see you in the mid-pack. <laughs>